Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Mind the business that pays, right? I'm not gonna be out here spending a bunch of money on things that are just gonna make me sad and I'm gonna have buyers or more. I'm gonna spend the money on things that make me feel good, people that, you know, make me feel good and, and go to places that make me feel good and things that resonate. Living is a luxury, don't you think? When we're talking about luxury healing, some of us didn't even make it to hear this show. So I think that we all need to be cognizant of the fact that just to be living is a luxury. So when we talk about luxury healing, it's not always going to be cute. It's not always going to be free. Healing costs money. You think jail don't cost money? <laughs> and when you're in an unhealed space and you go to jail, that costs money. You know, when you're in an unhealed space and, and you're doing things, you know, to your kids or you're, you're not paying your child support or you're not paying your dues in the community, those things in the end will cost you money. That's a luxury that a lot of us don't have. Finally here. I know y'all was like, damn, she was just getting back on schedule, and I know she ain't got nothing else to do but talk to us. So I started having, I told y'all that, you know, thank God for Facebook and social media that reminds you of your foolishness from the year prior uh, via, via photos and, hey, look at your memory from 2011 when you were stupid or a dumb bitch. So I um the night of the full moon, so a lot of people function during, you know, the moons and things like that. And I've always, and, and I would love for someone to break down the reasoning behind this, but I'm always extremely exhausted on the full moon. New moon, full of energy. It's like a crackhead on a, a TV show. Like you can't, I'm Tyrone Biggums. Like it's, it's, you can't stop me. I'm the energizer bunny. During a full moon, I'm exhausted. It's like someone literally took the battery pack out of my back. And, of course, y'all know I am a moon child, so I'm ruled by the moon and water. So this doesn't make sense to me because I should be bursting full of life at a full moon, but I'm not because I try to manifest every day as you should. Manifest, pray, wish, all the same thing. Okay, we just call them something different. So I went to bed Tuesday night, and I called myself trying to set the alarm so that I could get up and watch the full moon, and I just was beat. I slept, like, 
probably like 12 hours and woke up the next day. When I woke up the next day, I filled probably about 50 orders, like 50 items that needed to be done so that they were mailed out because y'all know I run uh, 716CBD.com and we sell the elderberry. So the minute that the elderberry gets back in stock, it's sold out. And so I'm reminded on the Internet that it was the five-year anniversary of my grandma Audrey May's passing. Now, the reason this is significant is because I've told you all before that I do a lot of things based on trauma. So based on certain incidences that either I don't want to repeat or I want to repeat, I do things that I normally would not do, whether it be reckless or whatnot. Fighting is usually one of them. So I've learned to just go silent. And I said before, April is just a very bad month for my family. And if you've listened to the show long enough, you know why. So I ended up um, having a moment that morning because I had not talked to one of my girlfriends in about a week. It's just I, I get to a place in life where people in their stupidity or people, not her, but people in their nonchalance for my time or my energy. With her situation, it was a little bit different. I was agitated about something that she was saying because I was trying to explain to her something that someone else was saying that was just completely ridiculous, and I just have no pause for people that are stupid this way. Not her, but the person that I was talking about. And so when I'm trying to explain to her to get it all out so that it doesn't fester, so now I'm, you know, thinking about deactivating you know, Facebook, and I'm like, no, because I make money there, because I just, I get tired. And I was off Facebook for about five years. Um, I did not care at all. But that's not a good way to run business. So when I realized that it was like my grandmother's death anniversary, it's one of those things that I always tell y'all that, like, sometimes the mind doesn't remember, but the body does, right? So you might not remember the day, but you know something where you need to take a moment of silence comes, you know. So... I have situations where I just literally will cut people off, will not talk to them for a a limited amount of time. I had one of my best friends, she's like my sister, um, after my mom's death, I didn't talk to her for six years. So it's not anything personal. It's just like unless I have something to say, you're better off trying to send me a letter or shoot me an email or something like that because if I'm not picking up the phone, there's something wrong because y'all know that I walk around with this phone attached to my hip because of business. So I remember landing in Houston uh, the day my grandma passed, and I've been getting these summons, like meaning right before someone's about to pass away. It's not even a 30-day period. It's usually a 7-day period, 14-day period. Something will be like, you need to go see so-and-so. And And I'm like, really? Okay. Hmm. And I go, and then they pass shortly thereafter. Call it what you want, it's fine. I've I've come to terms with that. So I get the call while we're down there to, to celebrate my son's birthday with his father, who he had not seen in some years, and his new baby sister and the, the new wife and everything. So I have to hold this information in the entire trip and not tell my son that his great-grandmother passed until we're leaving to come home. Now, when we fly back, to upstate New York, we have to get in my vehicle and drive to Pittsburgh because that's, you know, where the funeral was. So I remember um, getting down there, meeting a group of people that Shan, my other friend who passed away, um, had introduced us to. And I just remember, like, embarking on these new journeys based on trauma. 
So a lot, I do a lot of things based in trauma that I would not normally do. Like you would have to catch me on a trauma day to get me to say yes to 90% of the stuff that I did from 2015 to about 2018, 2017, you know, and just, just relationships in general, just, you know what I mean, like the, the rewinding and all this other stuff. So I wanted to do a show Wednesday to commemorate my grandmother, but I do that every year. I do a show every year to commemorate my mom and my dad and my grandparents and just everything. So I think the best way to commemorate those that have passed on is to make your life so good and so fruitful that um, you're remembered, right? So that's what we want. We become the new deities. We become the new ancestors. So I just want, I, I joke with my niece and her, her boyfriend all the time that I just want my park bench in a park somewhere. I just want people to remember me and say she was a good person. She looked out for people. So um, the 50-something items or 80-something items that went out, those were my essential workers that needed things. If they ordered something, I threw in something because I'm thankful for people that still are going to work during this time, knowing that they can be infected with the COVID-19. My little cousin down in Atlanta, she had it. And what a way to celebrate your birthday and you're married and your husband can't even come in the room, you know, for fear that you're going to be infected. So anybody that's running around with these conspiracy theories talking about it's not real, it's raggedy as fuck, and you don't need that type of intimidation and retardation in your life. You don't. So I decided to do a show because I really don't know what to say. Words are going to fail me, you know, um, to explain how I feel right now and how I feel usually the month of April because I'm either hypervigilant when it comes to getting my work done and organizing things and, you know, mismanaging my time, or I do extremely nothing. Like I just, I'm sitting there like an oaf. Um, so what I decided to do is write down a bunch of songs that uh, remind me of when I had a better time or when I had a better day or when it was a better moment and probably – 75% of the songs were old school and reminded me of when I lived in Pittsburgh and when I lived in New York City or when I lived someplace else and just was, you know, life was a little bit easier. So before the September 11th attacks, before, you know, my dad passed away and before all these things. So I think I'm going to start to show out what one of um, – my favorite, and it's funny because my Aunt Nita looks just like Anita Baker. She had the same haircut and everything, and I remember she had this little condo in Squirrel Hill, which is she lives in a house now, a very large house in Squirrel Hill now, but she is um, up the street from the synagogue with the Tree of Life where they had the massacre at. But I want to um, play this song that used to always play that I loved from Anita Baker, and it's, it kind of describes like how I feel about my gram.
All right, y'all. So <clears throat> that was about I used to, you know, think of my grandma Audrey when that came on because she was she really was an angel. Nobody ever had a bad word to say about her. People would literally like just come to her home and eat whatever they needed. I'm talking about unannounced, walk in and out. And um, she thought everything that I did was just fucking amazing. Like, I couldn't do no wrong, literally. And she, you know, threw some game in there from deep south Alabama. And um, I remember one time I told her, I said, you know what, I'm going to just go be a stripper. I probably was, like, early 20s. I was in there going to University of Pittsburgh. And she said, well, what you going to dance to? <laughs> so I don't think she realized, like, what I was talking about, right? And, um that was a teeny tiny thing. I didn't have nothing, just some titties. And um, she said, well, what you going to dance to? And I remember picking this song, thinking that the Isley Brothers sang it, and she said, well, how are you going to do your moves? How are you going to do your moves? So she's dying laughing at me. Like, I know damn well my granddaughter is not going to be able to go in some musty club and ask a man for some money sitting on his lap half naked. Later on in life, I actually ended up working as a bartender slash waitress in the strip club. I've seen a lot of shit, which is why I talk a lot of pimp shit, because I've seen the shit happen in real time. Now, to further the claim, my uncles and my brothers would bust up in the strip club whenever they felt like a high, high, high class place and be like, just make sure your ass wasn't on that goddamn pole. And truth be told, I made a lot more money than some of the strippers did, and that's when I realized that men, um, some of them just want to be used, uh, some of them just needed an ear. I remember my neuroscience professor going in there, and I think I talk about that in my book, how I looked at certain men in a different way. And then when you see somebody that you're sitting front row in his classes and, you know, it's neuroscience, so I'm total nerd about all that. That's when I wanted to be a neurosurgeon when I was in uh, pre-med. And he came in there, and I remember him pulling me to the side and explaining to me. He didn't re- even realize I was the same person. And he broke it down and was telling me about his wife, you know, being sick with cancer. She wasn't able to touch him or anything like that. And then that's when I started, I think, kind of looking at men as human. I never thought men were really human prior to that because all I ever saw was, like, strong male figures. I never seen a man weak, really, like my parents, you know, my dad didn't have that type of fetish and I didn't, you know, so then when you start breaking down what these women are doing, and I've seen a lot of girls get paid, Rent paid, homes bought. Motherfuckers don't have that kind of money anymore, so please don't try this right now, especially with the economy the way it is. Um, I definitely was telling my grandmother, I was like, you know, it just seems so easy. And um, then when I started looking at the mental torture that these girls go through because they weren't, not that they weren't strong enough, but um, they didn't have the right mindset. You're supposed to go in there, get your money, and then leave. And so when I looked at that there were a, a certain section of men that really they liked, this is when I started learning about BDSM and then people that, you know, enjoyed being spoken to terribly and enjoyed being dominant. And I started learning about that whole entire subculture, and so I'm thankful for that time that I spent in the strip club bartending and waitressing and all the celebrities that came in there. You'd be surprised. But I take that to my grave. But my grandmother told me, she said, show me what song you're going to dance to. And I said, all right, and it was this one right here. And um, definitely a rest in, in, in paradise to Bill Withers.
the sensitivity of men and how not weak that they were, but sensitive that they actually really were. So soon after I stopped working there, because it just started messing with my psyche because I was seeing things I shouldn't have seen and just people mismanaging pussy. And really, you know, I don't give a shit what anybody says. Whatever strip club that you work into, that is literally the foot in the door to prostitution. The next thing is prostitution. Like you're sleeping with somebody, one of your regulars or whatever, or he's taking care of you. You can call it whatever the fuck you want to call it. That is the doorway that opens up to that. And before that, I was a manager at Hooters so that, you know, they're like, Hooters is the gateway to the strip club and then the strip club because you start just making more money. Because for me, it's always just always been about the money. I never cared about the guy. I've, I've gone through long lapses of being single never cared. I was a professional girlfriend, so I would have a boyfriend, and then he would bring me wherever he was because he worked or whatever. So like I said, I never really had, outside of my teens, like when I was like 17, 18, 19, I didn't really have these, well, I'm sorry, there were two. Um, I didn't really have these tumultuous relationships after, you know, I was almost assassinated twice. So I remember meeting my husband, and I was on a date um, with someone, and I saw my husband, and I looked at him, and I said, I'm going to end up marrying him, and I'm going to give him his firstborn son. I've never seen this man before in my life. He was so pretty, and I talk about this all the time, and I talk about it in my book, Stay in Your Lane, Diary of a Hot Mess on Amazon and Kindle. And so we had been dating since April, and I had just moved back home, like, for the summer, so I just moved back home, and I remember, like, going back and forth because he was in between games and coaching and doing all that stuff. So I remember flipping out because I'm crazy, and he's a Scorpio, so he's possessive and jealous. So he's, like, um, he wasn't answering his phone. And this is back in the day, like, when you had, like, an antenna on the phone. Like, you probably still had to pay for your minutes. And I remember being crazy and driving to Pittsburgh because he was living in Pittsburgh at the time, and I had came home for the summer. I had just, like, school was just finishing up. I was just coming home to stay with my mom for a little bit and then go back to school, finish everything out. Well, decide if I was going to finish everything out um, for another degree. And I remember he asked me to marry him. He's like, what are you doing on Thursday? And I was like, what? And he's like, "Um, because we should just get married. And I was like, what? I had been with him at that point only like two months. So he kind of asked around my birthday. It was like like a birthday gift. Like, you know what I mean? We had been together for two and a half months. So I remember driving home, and I was like, well, first you need to ask my mom, and da-da-da-da-da, and then, you know, we talked about it, uh, that whole situation. And um, I remember driving home, and I remember thinking to myself, like, God, give me a sign. You know, like, if, if I'm supposed to be doing it, because my whole life is just whirlwind. Everything like this happens to me, and it's not that it's quick. It's not that it's, it's just in divine timing. So I don't ever disrespect any time that I've ever shared with anybody because I'm sure that it taught me something. And um, I was driving. I had a white Mitsubishi at the time, and I was driving home, and I was like, you know, just give me a sign. And I had just finished reading the book, The Secret, where it was like, you know, when you ask God questions, it comes back, and the answer is right in front of you. You just don't want to see it. It's in the music. It's in the license plate in front of you. And so on God, I said, give me a sign as to what I should do because I'm going home because if I say yes, which I said yes, but if I really decide to go through with this, like me and my mom have to start planning this wedding that I've had planned since I was eight years old anyways. So this is what song came on the radio. I, can't, I bullshit you that.
see I've been watching you for a while Smiling stuff But I know I can be with you for the night Alright Dad on Guess what? So we get married. We have this nice little lavish ceremony with my family in Pittsburgh. It was one of the last events that my mom, my grandmother, my uncle Sonny, and my granddad were at. My uh, grandfather passed shortly after that, and so that's why my son's middle name is actually Philip after my grandfather. 
And um, I went to go get on birth control. I can't make this shit up. Like two months later, and they were like, no, it's too late. You're already pregnant. And I envisioned what that was going to look like. I thought I was going to be, like, all happy. And I was like, you lying. Like, because <laughs> this is, you know, like, really, I'm this old. At the time, I was, like, 20, no, I was 28, and I had my son closer to when I was 29. So I was 28 years old, and I was just like, really, all of a sudden now? Like, so, so I always look at my marriage, even though it only lasted for, like, four years, I, I always look at my marriage as something that was necessary and had to happen because I would not have my son. So now I'm going to end the show because I have a conference call that I have to hop on because I have to do grown lady shit. But um, so one of the most, I think, um, influential songs of that I can remember, and it reminds me of my 3M's days, because I, I believe I was like pretty much like a little hood rat, but I just wasn't really allowed outside. Like my parents didn't really allow me off the porch. I wasn't like the sneak out type because my dad had guns, and he would like roll up in, like to the club and be like, get in the car. Never happened, but he would. So, um, and plus I had boyfriends that actually really gave a shit about me, so like maybe a little possessive, so I couldn't really – do too much because if I did I was getting snatched Not to say it's okay but just to say that's just how shit went And so um, I always in every apartment, condo, house Or whatever that I've had ever since I was like 17 years old We always had what's called um, the 3M's mirror And the 3M's mirror was this like column of mirrors on four sides That like first of all it was a death trap The club is actually closed down right now It's on Highland Avenue um, in my city and because several people have died there, been murdered there, and um, it's like a it's like a walking vigil. They, you know, decided to tear it down. Like the last person that uh, I want to say passed away, there was Franchot Wallace. His death anniversary was just not that long ago, about a month ago. Um, and uh, it was just when I think about how dangerous the shit was now, I'm like, why was I in there with some like leather pants on and a fur jacket? What was that about? You know, as a teen who should have been 21 to be in there anyway. But that's another story. Different management, different times. So when we could walk over the bridge and drink at 19. So I remember being in there, and I remember people would come from Buffalo or Rochester or Canada, and they would try to get in the mirror. And I remember, like, it was a very territorial thing. And if you danced in that mirror, you had to be, like, from our city because if not – you was going to get jumped. And a lot of people didn't know that. So they, like, we would, like, let, not me, because I'm not a jumper. I'm not somebody that likes to fight. But if you hit me, I'm beating your ass. So, or something's getting picked up, like, because I just, I don't trust that you're going to fight me clean and fair. So it is what it is. But I never really had any issues. I fought more of my boyfriends than I fought any woman in my whole entire life. Matter of fact, I can't even, I think I had, like, maybe two fights with females. All the rest was, like, boyfriends, because they were crazy. So that's a whole other story growing up thinking that that's fucking normal. And so I remember this song would come on, and DJ Greg Moore would play it, May He Rest Well as well. He was my friend, um, Shan, not the girl that passed away, but Shantina's uncle. And I remember he's a big guy, and he would come in and he would play this song, and nobody had this song. And we would all get in the middle, and we would, like, slow wind almost into a fucking back bend come back up, be in the mirror, dancing in the mirror, knowing that our boyfriend was literally coming in the club to kill us because we weren't supposed to be out or we were supposed to be at home because who was listening to you anyway? You don't pay my fucking bills. And even if you did, I don't give a fuck. So we're in there with our – because I think about how we were dressed like grown-ass women, but we're like 18 years old because we're going to New York City, we're getting all this gold and little diamond dust shit, you know, and I still never had a nameplate. I never had a nameplate, and now in my old age, I want one 
that either says Bruja on it or like D Nice or something on it because that's my little my little nickname. So I remember this song coming on and everyone like zombies would just like go to the floor. So I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I have some more shit. This song is kind of long because I do have to hop on a conference call, but I hope you enjoy it. It's a lot of people say that it's trans music, but it's definitely indicative to my area. And a lot of people remember this song because when this song came on, you knew that the club was about to be over as it's this show. Take care. Stay safe. Stop fucking touching people. Don't be a dick, don't be a bitch And I I pray for y'all that are stuck in the house with each other And y'all don't really like each other Y'all don't really fuck with each other I pray for those that are going through a hard time right now And can't really verbalize it If you can't verbalize the shit, write it down If you can't write it down, throw on some music And if you can't do that, just go to fuck to sleep I
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+ plus. terms and conditions apply. See website for details.